section thirty seven of final report of the advisory committee on human radiation experiments this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. final report of the advisory committee on human radiation experiments case studies chapter seven part two attitudes and practices nineteen forty four to nineteen seventy four as best the committee can establish there were no written rules of professional ethics for the conduct of research on children prior to nineteen sixty four taken literally the nuremberg code which requires that all subjects of research have legal capacity to give consent precludes all research with children there is no reason to believe however that the judges at nuremberg meant to impose such a prohibition and the nuremberg code did not result in a ban on research with children pediatric research flourished after world war ii as did biomedical research in general what is less clear is how this research was conducted and on whom one source of evidence about legal thinking on pediatric research if not actual practice is in the writings of irving latimer a lawyer who in nineteen fifty eight was completing a doctoral degree in juridical science at the same time he was employed as an administrator at the national institutes of health latimer concluded his doctoral dissertation legal and ethical implications of medical research on human beings with an appendix devoted to the issues surrounding experimentation on persons not competent to provide personal consent whom he defined broadly as minors and mental incompetence latimer argued that it was permissible to employ minors and incompetence as subjects of medical investigations where there is informed consent by a parent or guardian including the state for procedures which also significantly benefit or may be expected to benefit the individual latimer was less sanguine however about non-therapeutic research with these populations he expressed particular concern about the use of institutionalized children even with proxy permission in research that did not hold the possibility of personal benefit permission given by parents or the state to utilize institutionalized children without any suggestion of benefit to the children may well be beyond the ambit of parental or guardianship rights latimer did however leave open a window for the use of legally incompetent subjects in non-therapeutic research but he clearly harbored great discomfort with his own suggestion the availability of certain persons not able to consent personally may constitute a strategic resource in terms of time or location not otherwise obtainable it must be remembered however that the nazis hid behind this rationalization in explaining certain highly questionable or clandestine medical experiments such justification should not even be considered except in dire circumstances if ever employed it should not be assimilated into the concept of personal benefit else there may be no legal or ethical control for the protection of both prospective subject and investigator and their individual integrity as part of the committee's ethics oral history project we interviewed two pediatricians who were beginning their careers in academic medicine in the late nineteen forties one of these respondents dr henry seidel had some research experience with institutionalized children 
he noted that we got access to the children very easily and although his research was merely observational it was not hard to imagine that experimental research with these children could have been conducted when asked about the studies conducted by dr saul krugman on institutionalized children at the willowbrook state school discussed later in this chapter seidel observed i didn't have any problem imagining that possibility in retrospect i'm sure it could happen you know there was something about those reports that rang true william silverman the other pediatrician interviewed had clear recollections of how research was conducted in pediatrics at that time he recalled that in the late nineteen fifties many pediatricians including himself believed that it was not necessary to obtain the permission of parents before using a pediatric patient as a subject in research even if the research was non-therapeutic he has since become a strong proponent of the parental permission requirement in pediatric research he also asserted that performing non-therapeutic experiments on children without authorization from parents was part of a broader ethos of the time in which everyone was a draftee in a national war on disease dr silverman's account squares with the picture that emerged in chapter two of practices in research with adults in which it was not uncommon to use adult patients as subjects of research without their knowledge or consent silverman was among the researchers invited by boston university's law medicine research institute lmri to participate in a conference on social responsibility in pediatric research held in may nineteen sixty one this meeting was one in a series of closed-door conferences organized by lmri to investigate actual practices among clinical researchers the transcripts of the conference provide an important window onto practices and attitudes of the time in large measure they confirm silverman's recollection of his own position some thirty-five years ago early in the meeting silverman asserted that there is an unwritten consent by being a living person at this time to participate in this kind of advancement of knowledge that is non-therapeutic pediatric research some of the other participants employed the same analogy to the military draft that silverman recently used to relate his recollections however there was by no means unanimity about the appropriateness of this view dr a dr b says that this research without consent is like military conscription dr c not comparable we voted to do military conscription the proceedings of the conference suggest that while it may not have been uncommon for pediatric patients to be used as subjects of non-therapeutic research without the permission of their parents at least some physician investigators including investigators who followed this practice thought it was morally wrong to do so consider for example a story relayed by one pediatrician investigator at the conference who seemed to embrace with particular earnestness the desire of the conference organizers to learn the unvarnished reality of clinical research in the opening minutes of the meeting this researcher reminded his colleagues that the question for us to discuss here today is how we operate on a daily basis he offered for discussion a provocative case from his personal experience in which he and his associates wanted to do lumbar punctures on newborns he explicitly noted that 
this study was not of benefit to the individual it was an attempt to learn about normal physiology one of the other conferees asked did you ask parental permission the researcher responded no we were afraid we would not get volunteers the case prompted a great deal of discussion at the conference but perhaps most tellingly this researcher frankly acknowledged toward the end of the discussion in a meeting that had begun with an assurance of confidentiality from the organizers that he had sinned in carrying out these lumbar punctures in normal infants without parental permission the proceedings of the conference also suggest that at least some pediatrician investigators routinely obtained the permission of parents before embarking on research with their children it is perhaps significant that the pediatric researcher who articulated this position at the conference was from canada and the conference transcript seems to suggest that he was providing a general characterization of practices in his country dr a let's ask dr b from canada dr b we have been quite sticky on consent if we want a biopsy or a radioactive exposure and the parent says no then we don't do it the question of morals is too valuable if this statement represents the sensitivity of canadian pediatrician investigators to issues of parental permission which this single quotation does not prove there is no obvious explanation as to why many of their colleagues in the united states behave differently the lmri conference is noteworthy not only for what it reveals about the range of views and practices concerning parental permission for non-therapeutic research but also for the unanimity expressed about the importance of obligations to prevent or minimize harm to pediatric subjects of research minimizing risk was recognized by those at the conference as the most important and for some participants the only moral duty of pediatric investigators three years after the lmri conference in the summer of nineteen sixty four the world medical association ratified a code of ethics for human experimentation at a meeting in helsinki unlike the nuremberg code this statement known as the declaration of helsinki recognizes that research may be conducted on people with legal incapacity to consent the declaration distinguishes between two kinds of research clinical research combined with professional care and non-therapeutic clinical research it permits the use of people with legal incapacity to consent as subjects in both kinds of research provided that the consent of the subject's legal guardian is procured subjects of the first kind of research are referred to as patients disclosure to and consent from patient subjects are required by the declaration consistent with patient psychology the declaration does not specify whether considerations of patient psychology also could justify not obtaining the consent of the guardian where the subject does not have the legal capacity to consent the subjects of non-therapeutic clinical research are not referred to as patients but as human beings who must be fully informed and whose free consent must be obtained the declaration also requires that non-therapeutic research be discontinued if in the judgment of the investigators to proceed would be harmful to the individual thus although the declaration permits parents to authorize the use of their children as subjects in non-therapeutic research such research is not intended to be harmful to the subjects 
the language and reasoning of the declaration was unclear and confusing with regard to clinical research both therapeutic and non-therapeutic on legally incapacitated individuals it was revised in nineteen seventy five at a time when the ethics of research with human subjects was receiving considerable public attention in the united states see chapter three both in the nineteen sixties and early nineteen seventies public controversies erupted about several cases of research involving human subjects controversies that led to the establishment of the national commission and publication of the federal regulations see chapter three one of the most well-known of these cases involved research on institutionalized children during the nineteen fifties and nineteen sixties dr saul krugman of new york university conducted studies of hepatitis at the willowbrook state school an institution for the severely mentally retarded to study the natural history effects and progression of the disease krugman and his staff systematically infected newly arrived children with strains of the virus although the investigators did obtain the permission of the parents to involve their children in the research critics of the willowbrook experiments maintained that the parents were manipulated into consenting because at least in the later years of the research the institution was overcrowded and the long waits for admittance were allegedly shorter for children who were entering the research unit henry beecher a harvard anesthesiologist whose impact on the history of research ethics is detailed in chapter three condemned krugman and his staff for not properly informing the parents about the risks involved in the experiment beecher also challenged the legal status of parental consent when no therapeutic benefit for the child was anticipated a new york state senator seymour r thaler criticized the willowbrook research on the pages of the new york times in nineteen sixty seven only to come to its defense later in nineteen seventy one also in the early nineteen seventies willowbrook became the subject of a heated debate in the medical literature interestingly dr krugman was one of the participants at the lmri social responsibility in pediatric research conference where he expressed pride that he routinely obtained permission from the parents of the children in his studies in that group in nineteen sixty one krugman was thus among those pediatric investigators most sympathetic to the position that children could not be used as mere means to the ends of the researcher without the authorization of the parent aec requirements for radiation research with children although in the nineteen forties and nineteen fifties there were apparently no written rules of professional ethics for pediatric research in general there were guidelines for the investigational use of radioisotopes in children in nineteen forty nine the subcommittee on human applications of the atomic energy commission's isotope division established a set of rules to judge proposals submitted by researchers for the use of radioisotopes in medical experiments with human subjects including normal children these standards appeared in the fall nineteen forty nine supplement to the aec's isotope catalogue and price list under the heading normal children the isotope catalogue offered the following statement in general the use of radioisotopes in normal children is discouraged however the subcommittee on human applications will consider proposals for such use in important researches provided the problem cannot be studied properly by other methods 
and provided the radiation dosage level in any tissue is low enough to be considered harmless it should be noted that in general the amount of radioactive material per kilogram of body weight must be smaller in children than that required for similar studies in the adult these guidelines did not mention consent of parents guardians or children instead this statement simply discouraged non-therapeutic experiments with children the guidelines did not however suggest that the practice was completely inappropriate the subcommittee asserted that important research using harmless levels of radiation dosage with children was acceptable the crucial terms important and harmless were left undefined it seems reasonable to expect that important pediatric research would address a significant medical problem affecting children or would explore key aspects of normal human physiology relevant to health promotion or disease prevention for which research on children is indispensable by these standards the twenty-one non-therapeutic radiation experiments with children whose risks we review in the next section of this chapter could all be said to address important questions relevant to pediatric health care this judgment is not based on a determination of whether a given study proved important in the subsequent development of a particular field such retrospective analysis would place an unreasonable burden on investigators of the past as research is an inherently speculative enterprise many experiments that prove to be of little value in the advance of medical knowledge are at the time they are implemented well-designed and appropriate attempts to address important research questions it is easier to infer what the members of the AEC Subcommittee on Human Applications would have considered important research than what the subcommittee would have considered harmless radioisotope research. Acute toxicity is not seen following the administration of non-therapeutic, tracer, doses of radioisotopes. Thus, the principal potential harm from radiation exposure at lower doses is the subsequent development of cancer in the nineteen forties and nineteen fifties some in the field apparently discounted the risk while others were wary of a prevailing uncertainty dr john lawrence an early radioisotope researcher at the university of california described how some researchers conducted public demonstrations of tracers using unsuspecting physician out of the audience to act as the guinea pig presumably to reassure the audience that tracers were innocuous by contrast other investigators focused on the tragedy of the radium dial painters concerned that this might be repeated with man-made radionuclides evidence of how well the aec enforced its nineteen forty nine guidelines with respect to research on children is elusive see chapter six aec correspondence with researchers at the fernald school suggests that in at least one case there was oversight of research in which children were administered radioisotopes end of section thirty seven